My folks taught us godly principles, modeled Christ in our home, and told us we could be anything we sought out to be. This third grade dropout, wisest man I ever met in my life, sails the world multiple times over, learns portions of multiple foreign languages, and perhaps the greatest lesson he taught me during the worst days of my life was to stand. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Our guests this week reflect on the influence fathers can have in our lives and the hope we can have even if our father wasn't there for us as we would have liked. Best-selling author, Dr. Rick Rigsby, and dad-tired founder, Jared Lopes. Dr. Rick Rigsby is a master communicator who inspires people the world over, from Fortune 500 companies to professional sports teams and beyond. In fact, one commencement address Dr. Rigsby gave a few years ago went viral and has been viewed online more than 300 million times. Dr. Rigsby shares about the strong parents who shaped his character, what it means to be a person of influence, and the wisdom his father gave him all along the journey. My name is Rick Rigsby. And um, when I got to Texas A&M in the early 90s, I had a chance meeting with a legendary football coach by the name of R.C. Slocum. And uh, he hired me on the spot as a life skills coordinator, literally a character coach of sorts. And so uh, along with those activities, I'm an ordained minister. I've been a pastor at a couple churches, mostly in an associate role. And that's pretty much a thumbnail sketch. I have four degrees. My brother is a presidential appointed judge. We weren't the smartest ones in our family. It, it was a, a third grade dropout daddy and a country mother from Oklahoma. My father migrated from Texas and upon arriving in San Francisco, he falls in love with my mother. They rear their family in the Bay Area and I'm the oldest of the lot. So my father is a cook at this school called California Maritime Academy in Vallejo which is about uh, 27 miles north of the city of San Francisco. It's the only job he could find. Here you have this man from Huntsville, Texas, flat, dry Huntsville, Texas, never been on a ship before, is now a cook at a school that trains merchant seamen. My father had the breakfast shift. He had to be at California Maritime Academy at 5 in the morning. The academy was only 15 minutes from our home. My mother said for over 30 years, he left at 3.45 in the morning. And one day she said, Daddy, why do you leave so early? And his response was, one of these days, one of my boys will catch me in the act of excellence. You'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. You know what he was really saying to me is how you do anything is how you do everything. It's never wrong to do the right thing. If you tell somebody you're going to get there at five, get there at four, be ready to work. That sticks with me to this day. I'm 63 years old. I cannot in any circumstance be late or I'll hear my father's voice. I remember once I cut it close because uh, there was uh, construction. I heard my father say, son, you should have left the night before. In other words, those World War II parents, you didn't make excuses. That was my dad. Those folks that survived the Great Depression, you didn't make excuses. That was my mom. And together, it was constantly raising the bar. By the way, something I hated as a kid, something I couldn't stand as a teenager, but something that brings water to my eyes as an adult. And so we have these simple lessons. Don't judge. Be early. Son, be kind. Kind deeds are never lost. See the biblical connection? 
Son, yes, sir. Whenever you're kind, the world will stop. Uh, son, yes, sir. Not only do I want you to be kind, but I want you to be a servant. Someone once said that ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. <laughs> I had a third grade dropout daddy that said, make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. So be a servant. Son, if you're going to do a job, do it right. Be excellent. Now, I know it ought to be do it well, but I like the way he used to say it. If you're going to do a job, you do it right. So what do we have? We have a third grade dropout daddy who enters a culture rearing children where there seems to be a deficit when it comes to common sense and executing basics. And he just takes these basics that he lived his life by his whole life practices them, models them in front of his children, and then teaches his children to don't judge, to not judge, to be early, to be kind, to be a servant, to whatever you do, do with excellence. How you do anything is how you do everything. So if you don't learn character in the trenches, if you don't learn the basics in the trenches, what in the world makes us think that when we get to the big stage, it's all of a sudden going to happen. My wife, my college sweetheart, the mother of my two children, would get sick, diagnosed with breast cancer, and after a courageous six-year battle, she went home. And, and uh, right before she died, two days before she died, she had no hair because of chemotherapy. Her tummy pooched out because of a liver no longer working. She weighed about 80 pounds, and she was in really bad shape. And some of the last words she ever shared with me on this earth were these. It doesn't matter to me any longer how long I live. What matters to me most is how I live. And so how could it be that a dying wife taught me how to live, gave me a charge, placed a demand upon me. It doesn't matter your condition, but what matters is how. Now, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Let's go several days later to the funeral. There's not much that's worse than going to your wife's funeral, clutching the hands of your two little boys. And I remember looking at the remains in the casket, and I remember saying, Daddy, I have no hope. And my father said, son, now remember, third grade dropout. Son, you can't lose something God gave you. You haven't lost hope. You've lost perspective. And then he said these words, son, just stand. Those two separate, discreet statements, one by a third grade dropout daddy in front of a casket, one by a dying wife, came together and gave me such incredible encouragement in the form of a demand that was placed on me to put one foot in front of the other when I wanted to quit, to keep living when I wanted to die, to get up and put my clothes on and drive my kids to school when I wanted to stay in bed all day and just cry. Those two separate and discreet statements are the statements that I use now 24 years later all over the world because I encounter people at every level 
who just want to give up, who don't feel like they have hope, who feel like there is no reason for which to hope. And I encourage them with the words of a dying wife, it doesn't matter how long we live, what matters is how we live. I encourage them with words from a third grade dropout. You have hope. You haven't lost hope. You've lost perspective. So just stand. Faith impacts the quality of my life in a way that it is the foundation for my life. And I find that without faith, I'm left up to my own vices, my own way, and I'll choose to serve God when it's comfortable and when it's convenient. Faith says, "Uh uh-uh, get out of your comfort zone. Seek me so that you can trust me, so that you can obey me. Faith keeps me grounded. Faith keeps me pointed toward home. This is not my home. I'm only a temporary citizen on earth. Faith tells me to go talk to the truck driver that I don't want to talk to. Faith tells me to pull off my headphones after I've preached a revival and I'm on an airplane and all I want to do is fall asleep. Faith tells me, talk to that flight attendant who's ready to quit. Faith tells me to talk to that guy who's on his way to a strip club. Faith encourages me to go beyond my comfort zone and to have a visceral reaction for the people of Jesus and encourage them. Faith literally impacts every aspect of my life, every aspect. If it wasn't for my faith, I I would literally be the proverbial ship without a sail. I would just be aimlessly floating in the water, making sure that I was comfortable, making sure that I was convenient, making sure that I was safe. Um, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that if it wasn't for my faith in God, left up to myself, I, I would be miserable. Even with faith, I am astounded a lot of days at my stupidity. <laughs> so I cannot imagine not having faith in God, not believing in Christ, not being led by the Holy Spirit. I don't even want to think about a life with a lack of faith. I think you can't accomplish big goals unless you've taken care of the basics, the little things first. There's a former football coach, the late Chuck Knoll, who coached for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Listen to what he said on one occasion. Champions are champions not because they do extraordinary things, but because they do ordinary things better than anybody else. I remember that every single day. And I try to develop disciplines that push me out of my comfort zone, that cause me to stretch, to be the very best I can be. So here are my disciplines. Every morning, I seek the Lord. It is very important for me to seek him, to trust him, and to obey him. I find that I have a very difficult time trusting and obeying if I don't first seek. And that takes a variety of of different uh, ways. Oftentimes, it's reading and meditating and contemplating, memorizing, but every time, it's listening. It's listening to that still, small voice. Oftentimes, God just whispers. That is probably the most important. That is the most important discipline I have throughout the day. To encourage others to develop their own discipline to seek God, Dr. Rigsby reads the January 5th entry of Jesus Calling. You can achieve the victorious life through living 
in deep dependence on me. People usually associate victory with success, not with failing or stumbling, not making mistakes. But those who are successful in their own strength tend to go their own way, forgetting about me. It is through problems and failure, weakness and neediness that you learn to rely on me. True dependence is not simply asking me to bless what you have decided to do. It is coming to me with an open mind and heart, inviting me to plant my desires within you. I may infuse within you a dream that seems far beyond your reach. You know that in yourself you cannot achieve such a goal. Thus begins your journey of profound reliance on me. It is a faith walk, taken one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. This is not a path of continual success, but of multiple failures. However, each failure is followed by a growth spurt, nourished by increased reliance on me. Joy the blessedness of a victorious life. Through deepening your dependence upon me. Second discipline: reading. I am a vociferous reader because my goal is to learn something new every day. It was that basketball coach at UCLA by the name of John Wooden, great basketball coach,、uh, even greater human being, and he said, "Learn as though you're going to live forever." Live as though you're going to die tomorrow, and、um, I want to learn something every single day. So, learning, reading is a very important discipline. I think moving is a very important discipline. Our God is a moving God from Genesis to Revelation, and I think having exercise is a very important discipline that helps me to do what God's called me to do, and and rest goes right along with that. When I was in my twenties and thirties, I used to foolishly take pride in how little sleep I, I could get, and then I, I realized that my brain needs time to unplug, and it needs time to recharge, and my body needs time to heal.、And、my fifth discipline: be the best、uh, family member and friend that I can possibly be. I work at that every day. I work at relationships. So my disciplines are: no matter who I'm talking to, to communicate with clarity. To communicate with salience, to communicate intentionally, to communicate on purpose. Whether I'm trying to build up a son, encourage a wife, or stand in front of an audience and give them hope. So those are the the basics. Some personal, some professional, all enriching. I hope and pray. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Your ability to influence people within the sphere of your periphery will determine the impact that you make. My father said it in a very simple way. He said, "Son, you want to grow your influence? Don't judge people." Well, what do you mean, Dad? I've been all over the world, son. I've seen good and bad in every shade. It amazes me, son, how people will judge you based on what you look like and determine whether they're going to talk to you. How can you impact people, son, that you've already judged? So don't judge, folks. Growing your influence has nothing to do with what your hair looks like or how tanned you are. Growing your influence has nothing to do with、uh, your physical shape or your physical attributes. It has everything to do with executing basics. Are you telling the truth? Are you thinking the best of people? Are you doing what you say you're going to do? This is what grows your influence. Are you dependable? Are you looking out for other people? 
Are you keeping an eye on others, making sure that they are safe? Are you your brother's keeper? Those things all formulated together uh, have tremendous blunt force that can cause you to impact another life. Think for a moment about the person who led you to the Lord. Was it that person's words or was it that person's lifestyle? And I would argue the latter. And that lifestyle makes a rather profound, robust, powerful impact on a life. You can learn more about Dr. Rigsby and his resources at rickrigsby.com. Stay tuned for Jared Lope's story after a brief message about beautiful editions of Jesus Calling products available exclusively at Barnes & Noble. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Barnes & Noble has exclusive editions of Jesus Calling that make a perfect gift for others or even yourself. You can enjoy a smaller size Jesus Calling devotional with a beautiful blue design or a larger size Jesus Calling with a striking sunset orange color and a large comfort print inside. Order these exclusive editions from Barnes & Noble online and pick up curbside at your local store today. Jared Lopes didn't set out to found a ministry for dads and husbands. In fact, his own father left his family when he was only three years old. As an adult with a family of his own, he faced a hard season of professional failure where he found himself feeling distant from his wife and children. Not wanting to repeat what was modeled to him by his own father, Jared vowed to show up better for his family. As he began to work on engaging with his own family better, Jared realized how many men felt that they, too, weren't the dads and husbands they wanted to be. And Jared's ministry, Dad Tired, was born to help men on their journey to a more satisfying family life. Jared shares some wisdom and resources he's acquired along the way to help families grow stronger together. My name is Jared. I'm a pastor and the founder of a ministry called Dad Tired, which is a ministry. It's a nonprofit ministry focused and motivated to help guys lead their family well. Uh, I'm a husband myself. I've been married for 10 years to my wife. I married way up. I still can't believe that she said yes to me. And uh, we've got three kids. So I have an eight-year-old son, a six-year-old daughter, and a 10-month-old daughter. And we live out here in Portland, Oregon. So I actually grew up with my mom, who was a single mom. My dad bailed when I was three. And so it was just me and my three much older sisters. So I was the baby boy. We didn't 
start really going to church until I was probably seven or eight years old. And I think my mom was taking us really out of necessity, like just needing some help, uh, as much help as she could get as a single mom. And um, when I went there, though, I just I was surrounded by a lot of godly men and community who really poured into me as a young boy. And that was really the start of me being drawn towards Jesus. And I, I really believe that God captured my heart at a young age and just really instilled in me a, a deep, deep faith. I remember when I was a kid, man, that I used to, I was playing basketball in my driveway. And I, I remember this so vividly. I, was, I would play basketball in my driveway day in and day out. And I would imagine that my dad was sitting there coaching me. Um, and that he was mentoring me and just being part of that. And it just, even thinking about that breaks my heart in hindsight now as an adult man. Um, and I remember in those moments, even as a young kid thinking, I can't wait to be a dad one day. Um, and so to, to be in this moment where I'm raising young kids, I'm partnering with God to see these young kids fall in love with Jesus. I mean, they're really, I, I don't mean this to sound cliche at all. There really is no greater honor. I, I had a mentor tell me that I'm going to have a bunch of titles on my business card one day. Uh, I'll probably switch all kinds of different careers and jobs and whatnot. But the thing that will go with me to the grave are the titles of husband, father, and disciple. And so I'm just trying to take those really, really seriously. And so, man, to like be celebrated as a dad on Father's Day, uh, I just there's just no greater joy for me. I never set out to uh, to create any kind of ministry or like a dad ministry or husband ministry. That was never my desire. It actually was started out of a really really difficult season in my own personal life. I had helped plant some churches with a friend of mine and that actually ended up going really badly. It went south and uh, we just made better friends and we did co-laborers. And, and I was actually uh, spinning out of control as far as my identity goes. I, I was dealing with depression. And in that season, I was pulling very far away from my wife. I was pulling far from my kids. I just was a poor excuse of a husband and dad. And um, it was during that season that my wife actually, we were in the middle of an argument and which was pretty normal for us during this particular season of our marriage, but we were in the middle of a fight. We were in our bedroom. I remember it very vividly and we're in the middle of a fight and I say something to her to hurt, be hurtful to her and just my immaturity as a young husband, I say something to be hurtful and her eyes well up with tears. Um, and she says, Jared, I just want you to know that I've been waking up every morning at 2 a.m. and I go into the living room and I get on my face and I pray that God would capture your heart again. And I always say that I, I would have rather she like cussed me out or said something mean back. <laughs> like I could have handled all of that better. And it was in that season, actually, a uh, very millennial thing of me to do. But I went online to process my emotions, which I don't recommend. But I, I jumped on Facebook and I just really wrote this post about how I felt like I was failing as a husband and a, as a dad. But I didn't want to. I wanted to be the man that God was calling me to be. And uh, I left. We actually actually went to Hawaii to, to share a, on an anniversary trip and try to reconnect. I closed my laptop, came back a week later, first time I jumped back online. And that post had been shared hundreds of thousands of times. And that was really the start of Dad Tired. Guys from all over the world were reaching out and saying, man, I feel the same way. Like, I feel like I'm failing as a husband and dad, but I don't want to. We should band together. And it was in that brokenness that Dad Tired started. So that's really the beginning of the whole uh, ministry that we have now.
We've got um, hundreds of thousands of uh, podcast listeners now. We've got 10,000 guys in a closed Facebook group who are pushing each other to be more like Jesus. It's really grown into this little movement of guys who are really taking their role seriously. What I'm finding most often is that guys, uh, it's not the lack of desire to be a spiritual leader. I think most guys in the church who really are trying to follow Jesus, they want to be the spiritual leader of their home, but two things stop them. Either number one, they just really have no idea how. Uh, They didn't have a dad teaching them that. They didn't have a role model to kind of point them to what it looks like to point their kids towards Jesus. And they just, they're ignorant. They don't, they don't know how to do it. Um, That's one group of guys. The other group of guys maybe might know how, or might have an idea of what it would look like to point their family to Jesus, but they're getting stuck because of their own sin and shame. And they feel like, how could I possibly lead my family towards a God that I don't even personally feel close to? And I I actually think we have a ton of guys in that second category. And so what I'm trying to constantly push guys towards and remind them of is that uh, the gospel, that the good news of Jesus is that God did not bail on you in the middle of your brokenness. He has a reputation of being near broken and messy people. And so if you believe like you're too sinful or you're not equipped or you're not spiritual enough to lead your family, you're not believing in the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible, like I just said, has a reputation from the very first pages all the way to the very last pages of being near and using broken and messy people to accomplish his will. We were doing a conference out in Texas and uh, we were just about to start and some guy had walked in in the back through the back doors and he came in and I could tell he just kind of looked like a deer in the headlights, like no clue where he was or what he was doing. And I personally went over to him and I said, hey man, uh, are you here for the, the Dad Tired Conference? And he said, I think so. He said, my wife just bought me a ticket to this thing and I don't know where I am or what I'm supposed to be doing or what this whole thing's about. And we kind of laughed and I just welcomed him and said, man, I'm just, I'm grateful you're here. I'm grateful he took a risk of coming today. And uh, at the very last session, he actually kind of darted out pretty quickly and uh, which surprised me. He didn't, he didn't really say anything as we were leaving, but he ended up writing me an email and uh, the next day, and he said that he just couldn't, he was so emotional that he had to get out of the room and just deal with what the Holy Spirit has laying on his heart. And he said, man, I've been a dad for a long time. I've been a husband for a long time. And in so many ways, I've just been selfish and I've not led my family well. And yet I know now that this all starts with me personally falling in love with Jesus. And I just feel like he's recapturing my heart. And I'm so excited to start telling my family about him. I was like, this is why we do what we do. It's cool to have books and to do a podcast and all this kind of stuff, but there's nothing cooler than a guy having an encounter with Jesus that his own tank is being filled with the love of Christ. And out of that overflow, he's starting to pour that out very naturally to his family. It was so awesome. We wrote a book called Dad Tired, Stumbling Your Way to Spiritual Leadership. And I just wanted to give guys a really um, easy and practical kind of guide to what it would look like for them to start stumbling their way. Again, I think so many guys just kind of feel paralyzed either because they don't know where to go or they just feel too much like it's overwhelming the thought of being a spiritual leader. And so I just wanted to tell the book is filled with tons of stories of just uh, basically a lot of stories were me personally kind of falling flat on my face and messing the, what felt like I was messing the whole thing up. But again, that idea that we're just stumbling our way towards it. And uh, I've got a lot of feedback on the book since it's been out. A lot of guys say they just feel like they're sitting down with a friend at coffee and, and kind of processing what it looks like to be that spiritual leader of their home. So that's why we want to write the book, just to give guys more resources uh, to really help them feel equipped to lead their family well.
One of my greatest fears is that I'm an imposter, that I would tell everybody what it looks like to fall in love with Jesus and lead their family well. And yet me personally, I wouldn't be having my own tank filled. And so I'm thankfully, I've got some good guys around me who are constantly pointing me towards Jesus. I have a wife who reminds me why we actually do what we do. And I'll read the Bible through in an, an entire year, and I'll either do that on an app or through a Bible reading plan. And that allows me as a busy dad to whether I'm in the car or on a commute or on an airplane, uh, just to continue to remember that I love the way Psalm 1 says it, that a man uh, who's the man who studies the word is like a man, a tree planted near the living water. I'm paraphrasing that. So don't quote me. That's Jared's translation. Uh, but just a tree planted near living water and everything that he does prospers. And I just always think like you, you can obviously see a tree that's not near water. It's dying. Uh, and the tree that's near water is just, it's filled with life. And so I'm just reminded that for me to be filled with life, to give life, to see the goodness of God used and fruit come out of it. I just have to be in the living water, which is the word and Jesus himself. This is Jesus calling November 20th. I am pleased with you, my child. Allow yourself to become fully aware of my pleasure shining upon you. You don't have to perform well in order to receive my love. In fact, a performance focus will pull you away from me towards some sort of Phariseeism. This can be a subtle form of idolatry, worshiping our own goods. It can also be a source of deep discouragement when your works don't measure up to your expectations. Shift your focus from your performance to my radiant presence. The light of my love shines on you continually, regardless of your feelings or behavior. Your responsibility is to be receptive to this unconditional love. Thankfulness and trust are your primary receptors. Thank me for everything. Trust in me at all times. These simple disciplines will keep you open to my loving presence. That passage there just speaks deeply to me, mainly because of my personality is naturally performance-driven, and oftentimes my identity rides really deeply on how well I'm doing. The words that I just encouraged the men to do is uh, something that comes from deep within my heart, and that's really believing that in order for God to like me, I have to perform and behave well. And, uh, and so I'm struck by that passage and just reminded that I cannot do anything that would make God like me or love me any more than he does right at this moment. To learn more about Dad Tired ministry and resources, check out their website at dadtired.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about the love of a father, check out our interview with Dr. Meg Meeker. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with actor and producer Kel Mitchell. In the 90s, Kel shot to stardom at a young age as a performer on Nickelodeon, which compelled him to begin directing his own path. But as he grew older, he learned he enjoyed life so much more when he let God show him the way. Yeah, those troubles in life that I'll go through, but I know that God is with me uh, in those troubles. Because, you know, as Christians, uh, there are troubles you're going to go through because, you know, we live in a sinful world. But at that same time, you have to know that God knows the way of getting you out of trouble and know how to comfort you when that time is going on. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? 
Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel on IGTV or on JesusCalling.com slash video.